Hello, and thank you for joining me today here on Bible Studies with Russ. We are in Revelation chapter 12. And as I said many times before, there are numerous headings for the book of Revelation in the various chapters and such. Uh, but Revelation chapter 12, we have here uh, what many call the second half of Revelation. The story of a great conflict between the radiant woman and her child and the dragon and his agents, the beast, false prophet, and the drunken harlot. Uh, this portrays the conflict and struggle of every age, as we were reminded in Ephesians 6 and verse 12. The conflict with evil is not limited to the first century. The following is a graphic, you might say, dramatization of this conflict with a real introduction of the one who is behind the persecution and trials, the one who wants to destroy Christians, being the devil. The first 11 chapters focus mainly on the conflict between the church and the Roman government, while the second half of Revelation focuses more on the conflict that is the spiritual warfare between Christ and the devil, the struggle between good and evil. So let's begin by looking at Revelation chapter 12, beginning here in verse 1. Here the Bible says, Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. Uh, so this is a great sign that appears here in heaven. This sign appearing in heaven was astonishing and unusual. Uh, the sign was, was a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. Many ideas have been advanced as to the identity of the woman. Uh, the Roman Catholics claim that the woman is Mary. Uh, this, this is believed by many to be too limited uh, in the scope uh, plus, the Roman Catholic Church did not come into existence for another 500 years. Uh, but there are others who also hold that view. In fact, I have some commentators who hold that view. Uh, I have some of their material in my own library. But uh, the, the Mary, this being the identified as Mary, just does seem far too uh, limited. It doesn't really seem to fit. Others say the Jewish nation. Uh, these, uh, in the main, had uh, rejected Christ. Others claim the woman is the church, even though the church is a result of the redemptive work of Jesus. Uh, this seems to be a real possibility. The best idea is that the woman is the faithful and spiritual remnant of God's people who had kept his covenant, Micah chapter 4, verse 10, uh, Micah 5, verse 2, and Isaiah 66, and verse 7. Uh, there can be no question that it was through the faithful remnant that the man-child was born in a new spiritual Israel, the church was brought forth. This idea is simply more inclusive of God's faithful than the previous point. According to verse 17, the woman's children keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. This would include the faithful in the church. You have been victorious. Uh, one might say fleshly Israel gave birth to spiritual Israel, as Brother Patterson points it out here. It should be noted, though, that those under the first covenant obtained their inheritance through Christ. Hebrews 9 verse 15. We also are told here that she is arrayed uh, in regal or heavenly splendor. Verse 2 says, Then, then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. Uh, as we have said before, the woman who is the, whole, is the whole body of God's redeemed of all time. Galatians 4 verse 26, But Jerusalem, which is also free, which is, the, which is the mother of, of us all. The birth pangs symbolize the spiritual travail of God's people. This certainly involves the coming of Christ in the world and the establishment of the church with its plan of redemption. Uh, 
This has been anticipated uh, since Genesis uh, chapter chapter three, uh, verse five. As we going to see here in a few moments, we find here who is to rule all nations with a rod of iron makes it very clear that the child is Jesus. Looking at verse three, and another sign appeared in heaven. Uh, behold, a great fiery red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven diadems on his head. Uh, if you look at this idea, we are reminded here that this does not mean the dragon was in heaven, but was in the scene being shown to John. Uh, the dragon is identified as the devil or Satan, later in verse 9. A dragon is an, in ancient literature represented wicked, destructive, and rebellious uh, evil. And we are reminded here, as we continue to look at this red dragon, uh, this figure to this figure describes as the power and the rampant, violent nature of Satan. Red might even describe its bloodthirsty nature, as in the first seal back in chapter six and verse four. More names or descriptions for the devil appear in this chapter than in any other. It's also clear that the dragon is the foe of the woman, as was well the foe or the enemy of her child. Uh, the dragon representing evil is described as having seven heads, which could indicate his crafty intelligence and even his cunning nature. His ten horns surely indicate his great, his great diabolical power. And his seven crowns upon his head, this indicates his position in the realm of evil. These crowns of diadem symbolize his cleverness and sovereignty over men. Seven indicates his great authority. Verse 4 says, His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven. And threw them to the earth, and the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. This certainly indicates the power of Satan to drag or pull away part of God's people. God's people need to be aware of this, as we were reminded in Daniel's vision, in Daniel chapter eight, verse ten, and also in verse twenty-four. The stars are his angels, Second Peter two, verse four, and Jude, verse six. If Satan could destroy the child, he would be almost certain to strike a master blow against Christ and his mission on earth. We know he tried to destroy the Messiah as he came into the world and failed. Verse 5, She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up to, to God and his throne. Uh, a male child emphasizes that he was strong, powerful, and militant. The Greek is literally a, is literally a son, a male child, Isaiah 9 verse 6. And there can be no doubt that this man-child or male-child is Jesus. Uh, he was true, uh, excuse me, he was rather, he was to rule, literally shepherd all nations. The iron rod will allow him to punish evildoers and enemies of the flock of God. And look how many times the dragon failed. Jesus survived the killing of the babies in, in the vicinity of Bethlehem. He successfully endured temptations. Peter tried to persuade him not to go to Jerusalem to end to death in Matthew sixteen twenty-three. He agonized in Gethsemane, but said, Not my will, but thine will be done. He went to his death on the cross because it was God's will, and then he was resurrected victoriously from the dead. Because of his relation with God, the destiny of the whole world is in his hands. Since he is caught up to heaven, the dragon turned his attention to God's faithful, that is, the church. In verse 6, Then the woman fled to the wilderness, where she has a place prepared by, by God, that she should flee, flee me, that she should feed her there, uh, that they should, if I can read that right, that they should feed her there 1,260 days. 
Uh, verse 6 indicates that God's people will be cared for, protected, just as God did the people of Israel in the Old Testament wilderness. This care will naturally seem to correspond to the entire Christian age. There never seems to be a time when the church does not struggle. Uh, there are many examples of God's people fleeing Moses, the children fleeing Egypt, Egyptian slavery, Elijah, and even Joseph and Mary with Jesus. Whatever the wilderness is here, it symbolizes the safety and protection of God. Looking now at Revelation 12 and verse 7, and, and the notes I have here, and probably in some commentaries as where well you have the war in heaven or maybe the battle in heaven but the war in heaven is commonly uh, used here verses 7 through 9 uh, many bible headings have the phrase satan thrown out of heaven looking at verse 7 the bible says here and war broke out in heaven michael and his angels fought with the dragon and the dragon with his angels fought but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. Verses 7 and 8. There was war in heaven. Michael and his angels are the defenders. He is God's special representative in the fight against evil. In the Old Testament, Michael is a special defender of Israel. Daniel 10 verse 13 and also verse 21 and also Daniel 12 and verse 1. He is called an archangel in Jude verse 9. Arch means chief. 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 16. He leads his angels in a fight against the dragon and his angels. In Daniel, Michael is pictured as the defender of God's people. In Daniel 10, verse uh, 13, verse 21, and again, verse chapter 12, verse 1. The vision seems to be an, be an, an illusion of what happened in heaven to cause the devil and his angels to be thrown out of heaven, but mainly symbolizes a spiritual warfare which continues. This is one of the clearest allusions to where the devil originated, along with the comments of Peter and Jude, show him and his angels being cast out of heaven, Jude verse 6, 2 Peter 2 and verse 4. There is so much of this that, that is simply a mystery. Uh, a lot has been said about these verses, uh, but we're going to try to pull out all that we can without going beyond what the Bible teaches here. It is this is symbolic, you have to remember, in nature. It shows the casting down of Satan from any high handed control over man and shows the ultimate defeat of Satan. Now, as we remind there in John twelve verse thirty one, now is the judgment of the world, now shall the prince of this world be cast out. We are told later that Satan is bound, Revelation two verse twelve. Uh, Revelation 20 verse 2 if I can read that correctly Revelation 20 verse 2 uh, that he is bound that is limited as to what he can do to Christians today the only way for Satan to be able to control us today is for us to allow him to do so looking at verse 8 as we read a moment ago but they did not prevail nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer this is not a literal war in heaven but is symbolic of the war we wage in the church this seems to be an attempt on the part of the dragon to unseat the woman's son and, and perhaps reestablish himself in the presence of God. It is angels against angels and Satan, Satan his angels against the church. This seems to be a description of the war still waged against the church in terms of the original war waged in heaven when God kicked the devil and his angels out. Regardless of how, of how much this may reflect what went on in heaven in the past, we know it represents Satan's attempt to destroy God's people, and he will not prevail. Ultimately, he will be cast into torment along with the angels, Matthew twenty-five forty-one. In this war, Satan is defeated and cast down from his position of high-handed control over men. Looking at verses 9 and 10, 
9 and verse, uh, verse 9 and following here in Revelation chapter 12. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So the great dragon was cast out. This shows conclusively, conclusively the ultimate defeat of Satan. Consider the names by which Satan is called in this verse. The great dragon, the serpent of old, the devil, Satan. Four terms used there. The great dragon, no creature conjures up fierceness and terror like a dragon. That old serpent, this identifies with him, this, uh, with, identifies him with the serpent in Eden, which, dece- which uh, when he deceived Adam and Eve, Genesis chapter 3. The devil, or diablos, means slanderer or accuser. And Satan, Satan means adversary. He should be considered an opponent or an antagonist, an enemy. Job 1, verse 6 through chapter 2, verse 1. Zechariah 3, verse 1 following. He is further described described as which deceiveth the whole world. Satan deceives by lying, false uh, false religion, worldliness, all of which we will we will consider in, in the remaining uh, chapters of Revelation. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. This shows his ultimate defeat. Verses 10 through 12 of Revelation chapter 12. Uh, we have the voice of triumph. That's the heading I have here. The voice of triumph. Revelation chapter 12, beginning in verse 10, reading through verse 12. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, that they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and to the, and the sea. For the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. Okay, let's look at verse 10 first. Uh, these, uh, we think about this, these three verses have been called the Song of Triumph, or the Voice of Triumph. Uh, this song emphasizes the power and the victory of Christ. Salvation can be obtained. Satan does not have the power to keep it from happening. The voice uh, says several things, as we see beginning here in verse 10. Salvation has come. No, it, it matters not about Satan. Salvation is a present reality. It is real. Strength here, as he says here in verse 10, and strength. This is the word of, for power. All things are in subjection under his feet. Ephesians 1 verse 20 and following. In the kingdom of our God, the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. The power of Christ, uh, Matthew 28, verse 18, his authority is absolute. Then a reason why all this is so, for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which, which accused them before our God day and night. If God be for us, who can be against us? Romans 8, verse 31. As we look at verse 11, it is noteworthy that Michael's army is not praised, but the faithful who accepted salvation enter the kingdom are. There are three things in this verse that are means to the victory over Satan. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the, unto the death. And so what do they do? They overcame him by the blood of, of Christ, by the word of, the te- of their testimony, that is, by the word of God. And by their faithful living, as we see in the following phrase here, phrase here, they did not love their lives unto the death. That's how they overcame Satan. Three points there. An excellent a, a sermon idea as well. 
Verse 12, uh, this song of victory echoes a victory of good over evil, which has taken place in all ages, of which Christianity uh, is a part. This command for the heavens and the ones dwelling there to rejoice may very well be said to those who had already left this earth. Uh, this rejoicing is, contra- is in contrast to the woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. The inhabitants of the earth and the sea represent the people of the earth who, who, have, who have refused to follow the Lamb. The devil is doing everything in his power to capture the world, but because he has only a short time, relatively speaking, only a short time. It is not forever. Uh, next, in verses 13 through 17, we have the persecution waged against God's people, Revelation 12:13 uh, through 17. Now when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. So the dragon attacks the woman. John now resumes a description of the plight of the woman. Having been cast out, the the devil is really mad and takes out vengeance on the woman, to say the least. Before the cross, he persecuted the faithful of Israel, and after the cross, he persecuted the church. The dragon persecutes the woman, which brought forth the man-child. Uh, this means that since he cannot get anywhere uh, uh, persecuting the man-child, which is Jesus, he turns his attention to the woman. Uh, the verb here, persecuted, means he ran after, pursued in a hostile way. No doubt this applies to the church as well. Verse 14, But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness to her place, where she is nourished for a time and times and a half, and half a time, for the pr- from the presence of the serpent. So the same power God used to keep Jesus safe is used to keep God's people safe. The figures of speech, wings of a great eagle, are the same kind of language used in describing what God did for Israel, leading them out of the Egyptian bondage. I bear you on eagle's wings and brought you into myself, Exodus 19, verse 4. And the children of men take refuge in the shadow of thy wings, Psalm 36, verse 7. The wilderness represents the place in which uh, in, represents the place in the church where we are protected by the Lord, and our life is hid with Him, with, is hid with Christ in God. Colossians three verse three. God protects the church as He as He has His people in all ages. We look at the phrase here: a time and times and half a time. See verse five of this chapter. That is forty two months is the whole time until Jesus comes again. Uh, this the 42 months is a whole time until Jesus comes again. This expression is used in Daniel for a time of trouble. Uh, it seems to be representing a time of trial and testing. However, when things get really tough, God stepped in and protected his people. And so, again, persecution is, is comes at various times and, and for the Christian, various stages. Uh, but it does come to an end. We may have it... Uh, increase at various times and then alleviate to some degree uh, but persecution is a constant thing which the Christian must uh, deal with looking at verse 15 so the serpent spewed water uh, out, water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood that's verse 15 of Revelation 12 the flood means he is trying to drown her in evil uh, he is trying to sweep away God's people by the by the flood of falsehood that flows from his mouth in order that she might be destroyed. Isaiah 8, verses 5 through 8. Isaiah 43, 2. Psalm 144, and verse 7. And Psalm 32, and verse 6. So this flood is just, what is he doing? He's just attacking her any way he possibly can. Uh, verse 16. But the, the earth helped the woman. The earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon has spewed out of his mouth. 
the Roman Empire became extremely hostile to the church, and in this we see the work of the dragon, as he tries his best to put down the church of God's uh, church and God's people. The help of the earth was probably unintentional, but this help may very well have been providential, provided by the Lord. We may be reminded of how much help uh, archaeological finds have been to Christianity and help establish the truthfulness of the Bible. Verse 17, the dragon was enraged with the woman and went to make war with her, uh, with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ there in verse, uh, verse 17. So he said, we can see how the dragon was mad with God's people. So what does he do? He went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and make, keep the testimony of Jesus Christ. This is positive proof that we are talking about the faithful of God, his church. The dragon will never succeed, but he can cause a great amount of trouble, as we see here in chapter 12. Now, we are going to stop here today. I don't want to try to cover another whole 18 verses uh, in 10 minutes, because there's a lot said in chapter 13. So we're going to go ahead and save that for next time. When we come back, next time we will, we will look at chapter 13, which does include the first beast out of the sea in verses 1 through 10. And then also we'll see uh, the second beast, verses 11 through 18. Uh, uh, this false prophet is the second beast as we see in verses 11 through 18 of Revelation 13. So we're going to stop for today covering simply Revelation chapter 12 because there's a lot of material here. Uh, but because of the material in chapter 13, we'll wait till next time. I do hope you've enjoyed this Bible study. Hope you have found it encouraging. Hope you'll share it with others. Again, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can contact me through the Bible Studies of the Rust Facebook page or through the Bible Way Media website there through the Contact Us page. Again, I do thank you for listening and hope to see you again next time.